Hello and welcome. On today's episode of the Cashflow Show, we have a guest who can be seen as a bit of a wizard, someone who basically takes your day of 24 hours and extends it into maybe a week. Who knows? The skills that this person has is something that we all need in a business and something that we don't necessarily always recognize that we want or need until it happens to us. If that intrigues you and you'd like to know more, please listen to the intro. And after that, we'll come back with our guest. Thank you. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week, we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favorite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello and welcome to The Cashflow Show. My name's Clayton M. Coke, and our guest on today's Cashflow Show is the wonderful Diane Booth. She is the CEO and founder of Diane Booth Business Concierge. Diane, welcome. Hi, Clayton. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you for taking the opportunity to come onto the Cashflow Show. We've been trying to get to you, to get you for a long time. Finally, and, finally and here. The, <laughs> and the pressures of work and the pressures of life, the pressures of business have, have kept us apart. But I'm glad to see that you finally made it. Yeah. Thank you very much. But So people have heard the name now, Diane Booth, business concierge. That sounds very, very up there. It does, and, doesn't it? <laughs> so... Tell people what Diane Booth Business Concierge does. Right. Thank you all for listening. So, yes, as Clayton says, I'm Diane Booth, the owner of Diane Booth Business Concierge. And it really is kind of my posh title, Clayton. <laughs> for an, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with uh, And I love it. I'm sticking with it because it's my posh title for an online business manager. And for those that are unaware of what an online business, business manager is, well, basically, it's my job really to kind of help, help you with your systems and your processes within your business. Basically, helping to implement them making sure that they're very streamlined so that you can essentially have a business that survives without you. Because if you don't have systems and you don't have processes, unfortunately, you don't have a business. So I really help you to get organized so that you can live. And I'm going to use a term that's coined by um, Denise Duffel Thomas called the chillpreneur. So my goal is for everybody that I support, all those business owners, those hardworking business owners is to really kind of support them to become a chillpreneur. That means they're living the life that they deserve to live. They're having more time, more freedom to be able to focus on the things that they love to do simply by making sure that they have the right systems and processes in place. So if you could say that last bit again, you said that they're living the life that they're supposed to live. Mm -hmm. it, Explain a bit more about that. Well, I think when you're a solopreneur, as many um, business owners are, um, obviously your business is self-generated. And therefore, the, you're constantly wearing so many hats, doing so many things within your business that you have very little time to work within your zone of genius. 
So when I say that it's about living a life that you want to live, ultimately, yes, we enjoy what we're doing within our business, but really what you want to be able to achieve is a business that can really survive without you. So what I want you to think about is not imagine, right, let's use this analogy of, you know, being on a beach, being on a beach and um, just enjoying yourself, relaxing, chilling, sipping on that champagne, you know, and then you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that have literally just woken exactly, up Exactly, there you go. And then you wake up all of a sudden and where are you? In the office with piles of um, paper, paperwork in front of you, feeling exhausted, feeling burnt out. But you can make that into reality. So I think they say that in terms of the amount of work that we should be doing, it should be within our business, it should be 5% of the work should actually be done by us. That 5% should really be the type of work that you enjoy doing, the type of work that allows you to be in your zone of genius. But work aside, you should be able to have more freedom, more time to do things that you actually love to do, whether that be spending time with family, um, um, self-care, indulging in self-care. I mean, there's so many things that you could be doing just even for yourself. And so that's my ultimate goal when I say that, you know, helping business owners to live that chillpreneur life, doing more of the things that they love to do so that, you know, if they're getting that help, if they're able to outsource their tasks to somebody, you know, they have more freedom to focus on other things. Excellent. I think for most people, when they start a business, and we've already discussed this on various other episodes of the Cash Flow Show, people are obsessed with doing everything themselves. And I have to hold both hands up to that. Um, you think that you can do it all. And then ultimately, you then soon begin to realize that um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it my zone of genius. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think I'd be that brazen. But the fact is, you know that there are certain things that you do very well. And there's certain things that you don't do as well. And that the more things that you can get to people who can do stuff, um, the more that you can be in a position to then actually help to work as part of a team. And I think that's where the difficulty is for most people. So, you know, now that you've, um, uh, you are in a position where you want to help people um, have that zone of genius, for want of a better expression, tell us a bit about your role in business. Is this your first business? So, yeah, so this is my first business. I do have an events um, company as well. Um, but at the moment, this this particular business is taking precedence, I must admit. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's my first business. I started off as a teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was a teacher for 15 plus years. I don't want to give away my age. But no, <laughs> no, no, you look young. But uh, yeah, as I said, you. everybody's coming through here looking young. And I can, I hate to get people to um, uh, divulge your age. Yeah, I won't divulge my, my age. But <laughs> nevertheless, yeah, I was a teacher um, prior to doing what I'm doing. I'm a mother of three as well. So um, I left teaching because I always had this dream, um, this ambition to, to want to start up my own business. And what better time to start after you've had your third child, huh, <laughs> Clayton? <laughs> what a great time to start. So I have my third child and um, yeah, I just, I just followed that five second rule, literally that five second rule where, you know, you come up with an idea, you make a decision and you just roll with it. And that's exactly what I did. The moment for me that I started doing my research into what I wanted to do was the moment for me that I had started, you know, where I wasn't making any money at the time, obviously, because I've left my career. Of right? course. Um, but 
I had started because I had I had invested my own time into researching what I wanted to to do for the rest of my my life, basically for my future. So um, yeah, so it was a bold move. It was a bold move, and um, would I advocate for anyone just to literally take that leap of faith where they leave a career where obviously you're earning a decent amount of money to then venturing into something where obviously you're not getting paid. <laughs> As much when you first start a business, let's keep it real. Um, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that. I did it and it worked for me. And obviously, you know, it wasn't an easy road at all. But um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the journey, I must admit. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, a lot of my time is invested into the, the business concierge at present. So what I, as well, what's come across to me is that Teaching is a very interesting subject in itself. I live next door to two teachers. Right. Husband and wife, and they're both teachers. Now, what's fascinating about this is that sometimes I see the lady um, of the couple, and I used to see her outside looking really, really stressed. Mm -hmm. And did that play a factor in the reason why you left um, uh, education? Yeah, yes, it did. Um, when I, after I had my second child, I came back after maternity leave. And um, I was extremely excited about going back into teaching because I can be honest and say that there was never a day up until obviously the, the time I decided to leave that I didn't enjoy my job. I always had job satisfaction. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But after having my second child and going back after maternity um, leave, um, it was then that there were a lot of changes happening in the curriculum. And I just didn't feel as if after a few months in that the job really resonated um, with me anymore. Um, and I'm always someone that um, preaches to others that if you're not really enjoying what you're doing, why stick at it? Try something else. You know, life is way too short, right? <laughs> yeah, very much so. I agree. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and, yeah. and, and it resonates. It very much does. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a bold decision, but it was, it, I think people underestimate what it, what life as a teacher is actually like. I think they think because you get the 13 weeks, possibly more holidays, um, depending on what type of school you're of in, yeah, you know, yeah. that you're living a life of luxury, but really and truly, you're spending a lot of that time um, working, you know, the amount of books that you're bringing home, the time that I was going to sleep in the evening and then waking up early to start my day again. It, for me, it really wasn't conducive as well to then having three children, you know, and trying to run a household at the same time. So I felt that, you know, I really didn't have so much of a balance between my work and my um, home life as well. I can see that. I mean, the problem is, is that that has its own innate challenges. So you've gone from a very, and quite a stressful, but at the same time, enjoyable role. So what made you choose to be a business concierge. Right, right. Now, this is something that actually, um, when I'm ever, whenever I'm speaking to um, people that want to venture down that road of becoming an entrepreneur, and they're always kind of stuck on, well, what could they do? You know, the one thing that I always um, discuss with them is firstly, or share with them is firstly, think about what your passions are. Obviously, you're your your business will evolve, evolve over time as mine has and I'll explain that in a moment but always think about what your zone of um sorry your passion is within um the things that you enjoy doing and so for me what I did 
and what I share with others as well is I literally wrote down, because I think when you've been in the industry for so long, you forget what your skills are and what your qualities are. So what I did is I literally wrote down on a piece of paper a list of my skills and a list of all my qualities. And then I just went and did some research around um, what type of businesses were in synergy with those skills and those qualities. And what I I found at the time, rather, and what everybody finds is that you have so many you have a plethora of skills of course right you just forget them right but you have a plethora of skills and qualities so there's so many things that you can do and what I always knew that I wanted to continue with is educating so even as a business concierge yes I'm supporting businesses you know like I mentioned with their systems and processes but I find that I still have that kind of teacher role you know, because I still, I'm still educating um, others. And I'm also learning as a teacher, you're constantly learning. There's a lot of planning involved, a lot of organization. So there were a lot of those skills as a teacher that I, f- I felt um, married very well with that of a, of a business concept. I can see that because obviously those skills are mm-hmm. very transferable. Mm-hmm. And to a certain thing, if you're teaching a curriculum or a syllabus, you are effectively teaching a process. Absolutely. Yeah. So... You then have that five second or five um, minute um, uh, flash of inspiration, you said, and the heavens opened up and they said, you will be a business concierge. Then how did you go about it? Well, like I mentioned, actually, I didn't start off as a business concierge. I must admit, I started off as a personal concierge. Which is a relatively new concept for many people. I think it's only 20 plus years old, the whole concept of a personal concierge. Just to explain what that is, it's like a business concierge where you are going in supporting um, people, but it's on a more personal level. So this was more about helping people with their systems, I suppose, within their household so that they could balance their home and their work life a lot better. But what I found with that is that that type of work was actually taking me out of the home a lot. And what I wanted was a career where I could work around my family because that was what was really important to me, as it is with a lot of people. So that's how my business evolved anyway, from moving from a personal um, to a business um, concierge. Um, I'm going to keep on the personal concierges. And I think what people normally associate with personal concierges was effectively people who had... Mm-hmm. Who were um, high net worth mm-hmm. individuals, which is posh term for those that don't know, rich people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so high net worth individuals had personal concierges sure. that would sure. make sure and arrange things. And sometimes what happens mm-hmm. or what would happen is say banks or if you were in Coots, they would have a personal concierge that would make sure you got tickets to Ascot or whatever the yes, case may be yes. and did lots of other things. I think yeah. the question that I was asking yes. um, before I sidetracked you there was if... no. That's no problem. Was basically you <laughs> okay. then started. You had the idea that you didn't necessarily directly start off as a business concierge. You started off as a personal concierge. So it was That's the idea right. of not being being away from home for on such a long period of time. Because effectively, if you are somebody's personal concierge. You're you're doing their bidding to a certain yes. extent. Yeah, it's like running errands, really, yeah. for for somebody. And actually, I know I know most people when they think of um, a personal concierge, they do think of um, somebody that is accommodating those that are wealthy, and that is only a service that is for those people that can really afford it. But that's where I I felt that my 
my business at the time was very different because I really wanted to approach the, if you could say, the ordinary person, you know. So my prices also reflected that because I wanted everybody to see that they deserve that life as well. I can well, see that because obviously you wanted balance. to democratise that yeah. basically. And that, that makes a lot of sense because obviously yeah. there are a lot of people who necessarily might mm -hmm. not necessarily be rich or high net worth individuals, but they would benefit from that type of mm -hmm. service. So you then make the transition Absolutely. from Absolutely. personal to business. Yeah. And how did you find going out and saying, when you got your little business card, and it said business concierge, how did you set about finding people that you <laughs> yes. wanted to work with? Well, I was really fortunate, actually, because um, I was already associated with somebody that was, um, that is, still is a business coach um, when I first started my business as a personal concierge. So I'd worked with her and how I made that transition was that um, she was rebranding her business and she knew that she needed um, somebody in her team to help her with her whole rebrand. And having worked with her, obviously within that capacity of her being a business coach and, and supporting me within my business in the early stages, she really believed in me. So she had approached me and um, had said, um, basically she said she had a vision. <laughs> she had a vision and an, an epiphany. And immediately I had sprung um, to mind when she was thinking about who can she get to help her with her business. So it was really, I can say, it was really down to, to her really why I made that transition from personal to business because the type of work that she was giving me um, because she was rebranding, um, was very more was much more business orientated, and then I was like, do you know what? I actually really enjoy this. Like she was giving me lot of, lots of things that were very technically based, and I love technology. Working with technology, I just love solving problems and finding solutions. And because we were at the early stages of rebranding her business, it was a lot of problem solving, you know, finding solutions. So it was right up my street. So had she had not got in contact with me. Maybe, I don't know, would I still be doing the personal concierge? I don't know. But I'm grateful that she did approach me because now my business is what it is, to be honest. You probably would have, I mean, the personal concierge thing would mm -hmm. have taken you so far. True. But probably you would have gone on to another level. Absolutely. That's true. That's very you know. true. So I, I can see why that, what, that, why that would happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so how long has your business been going now? Oh, so nearly three years. Now, that's interesting because the, the fact is, is that we, we have different people on the show and obviously everyone's businesses ranges from, you know, startup or to whatever, yeah, sure. or, you know, you know, 17, 20 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, it varies from person to person. I think the problem that for me is that when you are starting a business, mm -hmm. It's a very interesting concept that you're coming to. You, when you become sort of bitter and twisted and jaded like me, you, your, your, your life is becoming, you know, you become cynical about the whole thing. So three years right. in, so what do you think has been your biggest success so far? Oh, well, um, three years in, what's been my biggest success? I think once I became very intentional about who the type of people that I really wanted to target what I noticed is that a lot of people were flocking to me. I remember one day just thinking, waking up and thinking, oh my gosh, like 
it's so important and I am not saying not to do this in terms of marketing yourself. It's so important to market yourself. But what I found is that through one client, I was able to get another. And from that client, I was getting another. So a lot of my clientele come as a result of recommendation, which I'm very proud of that. Because for me, it really is about adding value. Um, you know, I do go above and beyond, not to the point where I'm going to burn myself out because <laughs> that's because that is so important not to do that but I do I do really um give value so I think those are kind of my proud moments when you know people recognize you know they wouldn't re refer me if they didn't see the value or the, you know in what I what I'm able to offer they would they didn't see that I'm bringing value to their business and helping their businesses to grow and scale I think that's an interesting concept because for me I think recommendation and effectively that's all that Facebook does really. Not Facebook, sorry. Yeah. Um, Amazon does. It just keeps on recommending you stuff. That it's everything's True. based on recommendation. Like Spotify, all these yeah. all these all these apps effectively are just True. tools for recommendation. And I think that's why it's powerful. But when you see your business, people tell you to spend a lot of money on SEO, mm -hmm. pay-per-click and whatever. Um, I just find that to a certain extent, that's good. But the reality of it is if somebody likes your work and you can deliver on what that person has, uh, has blown their trumpet about you, you know, that can be such an effective Absolutely. way of it moving your business way. forward. It really does. So in terms of being able to be recommended... What has, and how has networking played any part in what you do? Oh gosh, you know, networking has been key. I think it's so important. That's another thing that I've been so much more intentional about. Yes, I use social media because, you know, people look at it as if you're on social media, then you have more credibility. <laughs> they will always stalk you <laughs> on social media, which is fine. I get it. I, don't, I try to avoid these crazy do you, people. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's, you know, like LinkedIn. I, I absolutely love platforms like, um, like LinkedIn. But what I found is that that in-person contact is so much better because people see you as you are like you can't hide in social media you can hide right but you can't do that when you're face to face with somebody and if you are people see right through that you know straight away so networking has been definitely been um, a key factor in helping me to um, obtain clients you know had a networking event the other day and managed to to get two two clients as a result you know and for me it's not I don't pressure anybody <laughs> in order to use my services. And admittedly, not everyone's going to be a great fit for you. Correct. As well. And I make that very clear. I'm very transparent as well. And I think that comes across when I am networking offline, predominantly, is that transparency. You know, so I think that is what really helps me to gain gain clients. And then uh, yet again, it's that process of those clients after a period of time will then refer me on um refer you know other people to me as well so that's I think for me that's where I think a lot of people get networking wrong I think that constant thing of expecting I'm going to network with people so therefore I'm going to get business yeah and it it does happen organically mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people don't understand you may be selling something but if you're selling something in the wrong room 
You know, if you're selling, you know, pork sausages and at the end of the day, it's the vegans conference. Exactly. It's not going to work. No, it's not. It's not. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got something to sell. So you need to buy. I know. And I think what it is, they forget that it should just really just be a conversation as we're having right now, right? Exactly. It should really just be a conversation. And if people like you, then they'll buy from you. You don't have to go in with the hard sales. In fact, that's more of a deterrent. People are less likely to buy from you if you go in with the intention of, okay, I'm just going to sell my services. I'm going to sell my products. Go in and have a conversation, build relationships. And I think that takes place, that should be taking place offline as well as online as well. It is about building relationships. I think you're right because a lot of people spend too much time and I think they what they do is that they sit in front of LinkedIn and they go through LinkedIn mm-hmm. and they look at it and they write find, find the word founder <laughs> and they go through founder and they find every founder that they can find and basically try to contact them. Yes. I like the people who basically look at your profile mm-hmm. and then turn around and then say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hmm. Okay, I'm the guy with the smiley face that you clicked on. So therefore, at the end of the, did you look on the, or did you just look at the smiley face yeah. and think it was Idris Elba? <laughs> what, did you, what did you think? You know, nobody actually wants to see the content. They just want, founder, you must, you're a decision maker. You're going to buy my, my goods or services. Uh, not so a great approach. Not, it's not a great approach. And I think you're absolutely right. If pe- people have to like you. You have to build that relationship. Yeah. When you're a teacher, you were working with people or you were working with pupils, whether you liked them or you didn't like them, because that's what you were given. Now, as an entrepreneur, you're there and you're ultimately thinking to yourself, well, I would like to spend my time with people that I like to spend my time with, as opposed to I'm forced to. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I meant by being more intentional as well. You definitely have to be more intentional about the the circle of people that that you're around. So... You used and you touched on LinkedIn earlier. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so that you, you also mentioned that you were very much a person that liked um, uh, technology. I do. And I like technology. I'm a big fan of technology. Can you think of anything of the best resources that have helped you in terms of your business? And this might be a bit difficult because when somebody asks me, yeah. so I'm sitting there, right, let me get my phone because <laughs> I need to phone. But you, can you think of any of the, the best technology that's helped you? Oh, okay. One that I strongly advocate is um, project management tools. And in particular, okay, whilst I'm not affiliates. I'm, I'm going to read your mind. Okay, go on. You're going to say it. Go on. What's the project management Asana? Tool? Yes. How did you know? <laughs> well, it might be because it's on my website. But anyway, Clayton, <laughs> you've been doing your research. You've been doing your research. Well done. But yes, Asana. Yeah, I absolutely true, love true. that tool. I must admit, I have branched out into using another tool, but I I like to experiment. This one's called Aura. Um, um, Again, another really good project management tool. It's still kind of developing, but I can still see um, it has a lot of potential. But my whole point of really kind of advocating the use of project management tools is that it really does help you just to lay out all your projects, all your tasks, all your systems, all your processes. I can't stress that enough. Mm. It allows it to you to lay them all out in one space. And be able to communicate with your team because whilst at the moment you may be a solopreneur, you've got to think long term. Long term, you're going to need that team in order for your business to grow and scale. And going back to that whole chillpreneur life, to live that chillpreneur yeah. life, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love Asana. 
Um, and I, when I work with my clients, um, a lot of them, some of them are familiar with, with that particular tool. Some are not familiar, but I always get them set up on Asana and that's how we work through their projects. It really helps to streamline their projects and gives better clarity. You know, some people like post-it notes. Of course. Um, but, but it doesn't work. If it doesn't. You, on post-it notes on the beach don't work. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It doesn't always work. At least, at least with the sun or any other project management tool nowadays. Anyway, you can use your mobile device and be able to access everything that way as well. So yeah, I'm a strong advocate. Right, so if there's tools. anybody from Asana listening, <laughs> you need to go and sponsor Diane Booth because she's promoting do. you. I have promoted all the time. All the time. So Asana, pay attention. The cash flow show has spoken. <laughs> I personally use Trello. Oh yes, okay. Um, uh, and you're visual. You're more visual. Yeah, yeah. I'm a visual, okay. I'm a visual guy. You know, I get the board and I pop a nice yeah. picture to make me feel good. Yeah. And you can no, do that on Asana too. Of course, by the way. yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and it was and it was a toss up, but I think Trello yeah. had more integrations at the time. Ooh. Than, than, you uh, might want to go check out Asana because I think it tops Trello. Sorry for all those Trello users out there, but <laughs> I think it... We're going to cry. We're going to cry. Kind of got the best of both worlds when it comes to Asana, actually. Okay. You've got the board style, the Kaban styles it's referred to, mm. and then you've got list style, but there are a lot of integrations as well. So go check it out. <laughs> I'll go and check it out. I'm still loyal to Trello, man. I love Trello. That's fine. Trello. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Trello is one for project management. Mm -hmm. What about any other ones that you think are important for people trying to live the chillpreneur yeah, lifestyle? Yeah, live that chillpreneur automations right automations so are everything is, is key there's so many things that you don't need to do yourself that you don't even need to pay me to do for you because you can actually automate it so i mean there's so many tools out there you've got things like zapier which allows you to um, integrate various tools and automate them um, if you're talking about social media um, then you've got things like Planoly and um, Buffer that can help oh, yeah. automate all your social Buffer, media Buffer posts. Amazing. You know, there are so many tools out there that you can use to, to make sure that, you know, even if it comes to things like with bookings and things like that, you know, using tools like Calendly or Acuity. So you yeah. don't have to be doing it manually yourself. There are tools out there to, that can really support you and um, give you that, gift you with that extra time to focus on other things. Well, since you've mentioned all those tools about allowing people to be chillpreneurs, <laughs> we're about to take a chill um, a break here on the Cashflow Show, and we'll be back right after a word from our sponsors. See you on the other side. Bad debtors can rob you of your time and money. They can destroy your whole business within weeks. Archaic debt collection agencies and expensive legal fees will drain your cash flow. But in one day, the PRMS Business Debt Prevention Course will teach you how to create late payment management procedures, invoice for immediate settlement, and eradicate existing debt. You'll study real-life examples to drag your business out of the red. Visit www.prmsltd.co.uk or call 0203-865-7138 to register now before bad debtors make your business another failed statistic. Hello and welcome back to the Cashflow Show. And my guest, Ms. Diane Booth, um, founder and CEO of Diane Booth Business Concierge. I've got to say it in a French accent. You so do, you good. do. <laughs> so, Diane, 
we were talking with you after the break about your transition um, uh, from being an educator and then of a, obviously a personal concierge, then on to a business concierge. And obviously that journey that you've taken. So now we're at the stage in the Cashflow Show where we always ask these specific questions and you may have had these beforehand, but they are the only ones that are still stuck in stone. So let's start with what is your favourite film and why? Right. Can I just be honest and say that I don't actually watch TV at no, all? That's great. I honestly don't. That's great. Um, because obviously all of this gives us an insight into yeah. you. So if you, there was a lady that said um, a couple of, um, Joanna Godoyne, yeah. hope I got her name right this time. <laughs> and she basically said as far as she was concerned, uh-huh. she didn't watch films at yeah. all. She couldn't keep still. So yeah. she wasn't watching films at all. So yeah. you don't watch TV, so carry on. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, okay, all right. But I say from when films. You, from when you used to watch um, films or I quite like like Marvel's. I'm really into those okay. kind of action yeah. type of films, I must admit. Okay. I like things like that. Forget horrors. <laughs> I will spend most of my time underneath a duvet if that's the case. But yeah, I'm quite into Marvels if I were watching. Yeah. Okay. Films. Okay. <laughs> so anything from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Absolutely. Okay. What is your favorite book and Ooh. why? So I, I'm into audio. So I've got a subscription with Audible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All these people getting sponsored. You need to sponsor me. I know. Me. I need to get sponsored for that one too. Too, right um but yeah so basically um I just love listening to audios because I can listen to them on the go so I mentioned that whole concept of the chillpreneur which I got from Denise Duffel Thomas who is the author of the chillpreneur highly recommend that book if you want to if you're feeling overwhelmed or burnt out and you just want to be able to have more freedom to do the things that you love to do as I've mentioned that my business you know takes the same kind of shape or has the same kind of ethos then that's a book that I highly recommend Another book that I'm listening to as well is one by um, Michael Hyatt. Okay. And that's Freedom to um, Focus. Hopefully I've got that, the name right, but Freedom to Focus. And again, it's all about the same, based around the same concept that you're spending only a small percentage of your time being able to work within your zone of genius whilst being clever by outsourcing the rest of your tasks that comes up a lot, and I think that's that's the only way you're going to grow your business. No, that's it. Okay, and the last one, what is your favourite album stroke single and why? Or just your favourite music? Yeah, like, oh. so I'm definitely in R&B. Okay, carry on. <laughs> uh, I'm of that kind of, uh, I'm not of that era, I'm a bit older. But <laughs> definitely, oh, definitely um, when I say R&B, I'm talking about like, I like the kind of the noughties as they call it, if that's so the right term. So you're talking about SWV, yeah, you're talking Jade. about Jade, yeah. don't walk away. There yeah, you yeah, go, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's my type of music. I'm very much into that type of like, yeah, more mellow type of music, I must admit. I think you know something when I think about the way that R&B has gone or black music or soul music has gone into to give it its earlier definition the more I think about it the more I think that in terms of songs that actually sounded like songs mm-hmm. except as as opposed to a man standing in a recording studio chatting a holy per rubbish yeah, that like, nobody understands exactly. and, and only uh, only he and his mates understand yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah um I, oh. I think that era of you know swv as i said jade to 90s right yeah, that yeah. kind of music was good yeah, music. tlc all, yeah. all that, that r&b just when hip-hop was starting to gain mm-hmm. its hold mm-hmm. and where i think now because hip-hop has gone so far 
into the mainstream and it's almost become the pop music i think the problem with hip-hop is is that it's 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 starting to eat itself. Yeah. It's starting to get into a situation where people are just putting out records and you're thinking, what is this? And I think, and a lot of it has to be censored nowadays. You can't just turn on the radio. Okay, right. Okay, I know they have certain hours of the day where obviously you're only going to listen to music that's not so explicit. But, you know, nowadays you have to be careful when you've got kids around yeah, as well. I can well imagine. <laughs> what I, you're playing, yeah, right? I can well imagine. You can't just put on, um, what, what is it, Spotify, yeah. and just think, okay, you can listen to every tune in the car with your family when you're on your family trip. No, you have to really... You <laughs> have to be the, 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 the household police. <laughs> you do, you do. It, and that is, that is, to me, is what's sad mm -hmm. about, because no other music has that problem. Yeah, I know. Even something like death metal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you don't see people swearing in yeah. it. I know. You don't be, I know. every five minutes. I'm thinking, oh my God, you know. And when they try to edit these records, mm -hmm. they go, and I told him. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But you notice how even on some of the songs, you can still get a gist of what they were trying to say. It's like, well, that wasn't really that well edited. No, it wasn't. And I really just don't like profanity. It's not something that, you know, I, I condone at all. So it's a big turn off for me. So I'll, I'll go back to the 90s, you know, <laughs> when things were a, a lot more, you yeah. know. <laughs> I, I think, I think Easy, 90s um, uh, R&B and New Jack Swing, I think that's where, um, uh, yes. yeah, it, it, that's where I think it's peaked. I think it's lost its way. But don't worry, these things come in cycles. They so do, they'll be, they do, so right? They do. So they'll, they'll come back again. So Absolutely. Now, we always ask the question, what is your advice to anyone thinking of starting in business? Oh, do you know what? I would um, always seek advice. I think, and that's one thing that I must admit, I didn't do so much when I did my own research, but I didn't really seek advice from others that are already there where I want to be. So I think that would be... Um, the first piece of advice that I would give anybody is, well, actually my first piece of advice is just do it. <laughs> Anyone that wants to start a business, first of all, just do it. I think everybody should be an entrepreneur or at least try. It doesn't have to be a full-time thing. There's plenty of people that um, have their work, you know, their jobs, their nine to fives and still running a business at the, at the same time um, on a part-time basis. So my first, actually, my first piece of advice would be just do it, go for it. What have you got to lose? You only got something to gain, right? Because it's all a learning process and there's no such thing as failure. The next, the next piece of advice, going back to what I was saying um, earlier was, would be to, yeah, seek advice from people, speak to people that are in, in the know already, get advice from them, learn from those that are already up there you know, doing what you, you want to do and ultimately what you are going to achieve as well in the future. Excellent. So what have you read or listened to recently that inspired you? Oh, it's still the chillpreneur. I use that term. It's like a mantra for me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Some people are going to get sick of me saying it, <laughs> I'm sure. But no, that no, has definitely I mean, inspired we... me, that whole chillpreneur life. Whenever I feel, because I think it's so important to listen to your body, right? Because it's so easy to get burnt out. The moment that I feel that I might be getting burnt out or overwhelmed, um, I just sit back and I just chill. I really do. And I don't have any issues with it because I know that I'm going to be more productive when I have the right mindset. I'm not going to get what I need to get done um, if I'm feeling, my brain is feeling frazzled. 
or my body's feeling True. exhausted. So I really do sit back and chill. And it could be a few hours. It could be a day. It could even be a week. Honestly, I just listen to my body a lot more now. So Everybody's got their mantras. Mine is um, from yes. Arthur Ashe, yeah, sure. the tennis player. Start where you are. Yeah. Use what you have. Oh, do what advice. you can. I love that. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is, that's, that's my mantra. That is like, you know, every time I'm thinking, oh, I can't do this because it costs £10,000. Okay, use what you have. Exactly, do what you can. exactly. You know? And you'll get there, right? But the fact you'll is, yeah, exactly. And that's what works really well. In terms of what you do, even though business concierges and personal concierges to a certain extent are a new phenomenon, mm -hmm. what is the one common myth about what you do that people that you want to debunk, that you want to say, you know, because with me, it's, it's people always think that I'm going to beat them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, and, exactly. Based on, <laughs> exactly, based yeah. on what, based on what, what you do. Okay. I'm based oh, on what you're the I last do person to do that. Okay. Yeah, no, not really, yeah, really, to be totally honest. I'd say, listen, you'd be the idiot. Just get on with it. Yeah, well, so, do you know. know what? A lot of people, based on what I do, because I suppose um, as a being an online business manager, it's kind of likened to a virtual system. So often in the early stages, I suppose, of my business, it was a case of when I was really kind of marketing myself. Um, I got a lot of, okay, I can't afford you right now, <laughs> but um, maybe down the, um, the, down the line when, um, you know, my business grows, I'll be able to use your services. Well, let me just debunk that myth <laughs> right here, because I think that's where the problem starts. I think a lot of us, we seek help when we're feeling burnt out. And when we're exhausted Correct. and we feel like we can't cope, that's when we seek the help. No, that's that's a big, the biggest mistake you could be making. What you need to do is get help from the beginning stages to help your business to grow. So when people are saying to me, oh, I can't afford you now. Well, you don't have to buy my services for, say, 10 hours or 20 hours. You know, it could be three hours. Because if you think about what could you do in those three hours where you're not focusing on something that where it may not be your forte and therefore you're just wasting time when you could be out there generating money, um, gaining more clients. So even starting off small, so you could outsource, delegate for three hours, you know, three hours a, a week or a month, whatever it might be, just start off small really. So it is affordable because you could be earning even more going out and making, making money from gaining more clients. I mean, it, it's back to the four-hour mm -hmm. work week. Yes, I have, yeah. I don't know if you've heard that book, um, mm -hmm. all of those things. But it it's is. common sense, really. The reality of mm -hmm. the situation is, for many people, they don't seem to understand. Mm -hmm. And I've been there. So uh, I'm, uh, I can tell you from bitter experience, bitter and cynical and twisted <laughs> experience. No, um, seriously, but bitter experience that if you don't find people that can do stuff Yes. reasonably well, who can be do stuff efficiently while your hands are wrapped up and tight, then at the end of the day, you are going yeah, to have absolutely. problems. Now, I mean, as I said, everything that you say is that getting help shouldn't be something that you yeah, wait too absolutely. long to do. Even getting a little bit of help at the start, especially when you've got a little bit of money coming in, you know, it, it seems like it's so I'm giving my money away. I'm going to hold on to it like Ebenezer <laughs> yeah, Scrooge, yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. but you're actually not realizing that 
what mm-hmm. that three hours can do. Some somebody doing your social media or yeah. filling your buffer yeah. for three hours, your 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 buffer program, <laughs> sponsorship. Sure. Um, uh, somebody filling your yeah. buffer for three hours yeah. and filling it for a, a, mm-hmm. a, a month can basically just relieve you of that situation. And then all your social media is coming up left, front and centre while you're sitting there drinking your champagne, chilling like a chillpreneur and uh, doing your own thing. I mean, if you think about it as well, if you're you're paying somebody like £30, £40 an hour to do do, um, the tasks that, you know, you don't have time to do, in that time, you could go and sell a course for for a thousand pounds, right? So if you look yeah. at the equivalent, if you're charging thirty, if you're paying thirty pounds an hour, three hours, you know that's ninety pounds, and you're you're selling a course at a thousand pounds, you know, then you you've made a profit, and at the same time, you know, because you've been able to spend that time, you know, selling the course, so that's your zone of genius, you know, and Correct. then you you've saved those three hours, so it's amazing, really. Excellent, excellent. So. You've given us a great outline mm-hmm. of what you do and what you do at uh, Diane Booth Business Concierge. <laughs> the accent, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to try and do a bit of an accent. <laughs> People think, who is this man? But, you, you know, you've given us a great outline of that. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Where can they So I mentioned you? about LinkedIn. So I'm trying to be more right. intentional actually about using LinkedIn because I think it's an amazing platform. So you can definitely find me there. Just put in Diane um, with one N <laughs> and an E and um, Diane Booth. Just put that in. And, and booth, booth with, with an, an e, e as well. Yes, don't forget the E. That's crucial. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't find me. So yeah, so Diane Booth, that, you'll find me on LinkedIn under that. But um, also on Instagram and on Facebook, Diane Booth Concierge, you'll find me there as well. Okay, excellent. So how do you find using Instagram? Do you Instagram? know what? There, I started off using it. So this is the thing, actually, and it's a good piece of advice for it, for all our listeners as well that are starting out in business is... When you when you start off, you think you have to be everywhere, right? So um, you you think you have to be on all platforms, and that's what I did initially. So I was on Facebook, I was on LinkedIn, I was on Instagram when I first started. Then I realised I can't do this. Like I, I'm a solopreneur, I can't be everywhere, you know. <laughs> and I've got to practice what I preach myself, right? <laughs> so. I literally took myself off Instagram. I used it to kind of stalk others. I did. I used it to stalk others, but I took myself off it for a while. It's only now that um, I feel I'm able to manage my my systems and processes better that I'm using it now. So yeah, you'll find me posting on there. But um, I wasn't quite sure whether I'd find my ideal clients there, but I've been advised to, to give it a go. I do believe that you should give every platform a go and see if it works for you for a period of time. Um, so yeah, I'm giving it a go and seeing how. I like Instagram for some yeah. strange reason. Um, uh, you can kind of keep it real. You, well, you, I say keep it real, but you do have people whose lives. Yeah, I mean, there are there are some <laughs> really people is. have made a career out of showing their, their um, themselves and all too much of themselves on Instagram. <laughs> Forget, whoa, Absolutely. You know, that's not wrap me. That, wrap <laughs> that up, girlfriend, please. <laughs> You know, yeah, sure. this is this is not the platform. Well, no, it is the platform for it. You know, but you know, <laughs> right. even LinkedIn can go in that way. What do you use it for? Basically, it's about humanizing the business, mm-hmm. and you know, that's what yeah. to a certain extent people ask what this podcast is about. You yeah, know, it's sure. called the Cash Flow Show, but we don't do, um, pump you know people for information about their cash flow and their business. It's about businesses. It's about entrepreneurs, but. What this does is humanise what we do. Yeah. Uh, what we do as a business, we we deal with late payments, ethical debt recovery, business debt prevention. But reality-wise, 
people just think, oh, you're the guy that takes somebody's telly. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with what we do. So it's all about humanising the business, letting people have an awareness of what we do and why we do it. And that there are real people behind. And the fact is, when I, I don't see any guys that are involved in late payment management or debt recovery out at events. And so sure. therefore, that, that's fine. That's, maybe they're not that attractive. I understand that, you know. <laughs> not attractive well, as you, Clayton. You're too kind. You know, I'm just doing my best. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, but they don't do that. So therefore, I feel it's my job to do that so people can have an understanding that when you contact us, you're contacting us for a reason. And we are human and we understand that. So therefore, it, to me, it works. That I, yeah. I wouldn't be standing outside that. the court and saying, yeah, we've just taken somebody to court. I'm on outside it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With a picture of that. If that's not going to work. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. you know, for no, a, I, I events it. and functions that we go to, you know, with the, yeah. and to be honest, it worked. I get more engagement from Instagram than I do even from LinkedIn. Well, I get what you're saying because, again, for you, I suppose that helps to debunk, um, debunk the myths as well around what you do because you are showing that human side of your business as well. And I think similarly for me, because my business is mainly it is mainly virtual, you know, um, yeah. it is online, people being able to see me, you know, and um, on there. And it isn't about me just selling, you know, on there as well. I, I try to give value. No, exactly. And the fact is selling is, is pointless. I just said, this is where we are. This is what we do. We are nice people and you can have a conversation with us and we believe in whatever it is that you do. So on that note of Instagram, Diane Booth, Founder and CEO of Diane Booth Business Concierge. Thank you ever so much for joining us here. Oh, on the it's Cash been Master. amazing. Thank you. I'm really glad that you enjoyed yourself. We've been really been happy having you here and hearing your stories and your growth arc and what's happening for you. And I shall, you know, go forward and learn forth to be a chilpreneur. <laughs> you are. You are already. I know you are. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you um, and fantastic. And thank you for well, having me, Clayton. Good luck in, pre- your, um, uh, in your continued growth. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. So that's the end of uh, another episode of The Cashflow Show. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Cashflow Show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today and would like to hear more, then please subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and you will be notified when a new episode is released. If you wish to like, comment, leave a message or follow us on social media, please do so as we would love to hear from you. So until the next time, take care from everyone at The Cashflow Show. Goodbye.